It's good to see all of you here this morning. Uh, we took a two-week detour to look at our role of the church, our role of the church leadership. If you missed that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it, not because I think my preaching is great, uh, but because I want you to understand uh, our, the way we function as a body and as a leadership. Uh, if you don't want to listen to me preach, you can check it out. Uh, we have a statement on our website at refugecitychurch.com slash leadership. This is a week, I think this is week number 12 in our Gospel of Mark series, and we're only at the end of chapter 4, so I hope uh, you've brought a Gatorade and some crackers or um, shower food out there in here with you. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 is where we are going to be. On the surface, this is a familiar story. It's a story about a storm, people freaking out as they should, and the boat um, seemingly about to sink. But I think if we were to look a little bit deeper into what this story is about, very familiar story, um, I think we'll, we'll see that God has something uh, for us this morning. So if you have a Bible, Mark chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 35. If you don't own a Bible, there are some in the lobby for you, or you can just... Uh, Gaze at the giant screen behind me. All right, let's go. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowds, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not know or do you not care that we are perishing, that we are dying? And he, being Jesus, awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him? One more time, let's pray before our loving God. God, again, we thank you, Lord, for our time together. We thank you, Lord, that um, this is not the beginning or the end of what we do as a body of believers. This is who we are. We are the church, and we gather together to make much of you and to be edified by the living word of God. Although it's my voice that spoke, it was your word that we just heard, and we thank you for that. And we pray, God, that this word would be encouraging to us and that we would see you for who you really are, that you are the God over the seas, the God over the universe, the God over our storms. And we love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to consider just six things from this familiar passage. If I were Baptist, I would have done three or four points, but I'm not. There are six things I want to pull out of this particular passage. We see that the boat was filling with water very rapidly, and, and we would say that that means that that boat is likely to sink. We are told at the beginning, I just swatted a fly. It wasn't like the Holy Spirit in me or anything. 
As we're told at the beginning of the verse 37, it says a furious squall come up. If you read the parallel story to this, I believe in Matthew's account, Matthew adds an interesting note that it came without warning, that it was just plain sailing, and then all of a sudden a, a great storm arose. Now, the Sea of Galilee, this is very typical, where it doesn't take much for a storm to come and the waves to get really rough and to toss around boats, and so this is the way that it was for them. So there's one thing that I want to consider, and that's the first thing is that Jesus does not keep our storms away from us. Following Jesus does not mean that he has, or, or that you and I have this magic shield that, you know, this is like this force field around us, and it is to repel and to keep all evil and to keep all wicked away from us and all storms away from us. If, if it did, then I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm doing something entirely too wrong. This is a very interesting, this is early on in the events of Gospel of Mark. The disciples thought maybe that following Jesus would repel the storms away from them. I mean, you've seen just in four short, very short chapters of Jesus casting out devils, Jesus raising the sick, Jesus healing, and Jesus performing mighty miracles. So you would think on a kind of a surface view that Jesus... These disciples perhaps thought, well, if Jesus could do that, then, then Jesus can be a shield around me and, and repel all wicked things away from me. And it's not uncommon to hear that in the life of Christ described to people that if you just believe, you do your part, which is very minimal, and Jesus does his part, then life is going to be great. How many of you heard that before? All you got to do, you do your part. Jesus does his part and your life is going to be great. You're going to be soothed, sailing. Like it's going to be magnificent. If you believe in a God who prevents you from being swamped, if you believe in a God who prevents you from going into the storms, light just came on for someone, <laughs> then you do not believe in the, the true God of the Bible. You've come here to worship the Lord and you think that God is going to provide for you and he's going to prevent you from being in the sea of life and the waves of life. You may have a bad understanding of who God is. When we look at what we're told here as a result of their obedience that led to this particular storm. Now that's fascinating. Jesus said in verse 35, let's go over to the other side. And so leaving the crowd behind, they took him alongside. And, and just as he was in the boat, and they, they left on their journey. Journey, In other words, Jesus said, hey, we're going to go to the other side. And the disciples say, okay, fine. We're going to go on the other side, just as you say. It wasn't that Jesus said, we're going to go on the other side. And the disciples then said, no, I don't think we should go to the other side. It was that Jesus said, we're going to the other side. This is the direction that I want you to go. I want you to turn right, right here. And the disciples said, yes, we're going to turn right as you said. And from their obedience to God, now don't miss this. It was their obedience to God that led them into a storm. That's not what we want to think, right? Oh, man, I hope you've got a good theology for this. 
It was the very thing that the master told them to do that they actually did that led them into their boat almost sinking into the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. One of the damaging thoughts and things that people can say to people when they're going through storms or when they're going through trauma, when they're going just through life, is that, well, you know what? I bet you're doing something wrong. Oh, I bet, I, I, I bet there's a sin in your life. That's, that's why. That's why this is happening. Oh, I, I bet you're just, you're just, you're stupid. You, you, you know, you shouldn't have did what Jesus told you. To, this, that's on you. Could it be that you can do all that God has told you to do? You've turned in every direction he's told you to turn in. And yet he could still lead you into a storm. And I, ho- I, hope you've, I hope you've come in here with, with, with some good solid theology this morning because you're going to need it, right? That, that Jesus told them the direction that, for them to go in and, and the direction that he told them to go in led them into almost a catastrophic event. Following Jesus is not easy. Following Jesus does not lead you to a life of sunshine and rainbow, which, by the way, we've had a ton of rainbows lately. What is the deal? Need more people move from Georgia, bring that rain up. Doesn't lead you to a life of prosperity and, and, and fantastic health and all of these great things that people so proclaim that it does. Sometimes following Jesus leads you into a storm. It was a result of them saying, yes that led them into their difficulty. This is challenging for us because in the place of obedience, those of us who have lived in the Christian life, we've got to come to this affirmation that we will experience um, days of, how the text says, furious squalls. Days of where the water is about to capsize and the wave is about to capsize our boat. We have to come to this realization. And you have come in here this morning and you've probably experienced those types of things, the sudden loss of a loved one. You've probably had the, the, the bad hospital report, the wayward child, the sorrow of parting with people. And such is the experience of many here. Following Jesus does not keep us from, last, from life storms. Let me move on to the second thing here. Second thing we notice is simply that this boat is sinking. And, and this is kind of funny, that, but, but Jesus is what? What is Jesus doing? He's catching some Z's, y'all. He is asleep. Um, Jesus, Jesus understands Fully God, fully man, the struggles that you and I face, right? He's, he was asleep, and Mark says he was asleep on a cushion or probably a pillow, which is kind of interesting to me that the God of the universe, the one who made the sea, the one who, who, who is the word of God that is speaking and the one who is the acted agent of creation is the one who is probably saying, hey, hey, Pete, you got a, you got a pillow? 
I mean, Jesus, if he's the active agent of creation, he could have created a Mike Lindell, MyPillow.com and got, got like this pillow and these Mike Giza sheets. And like, he's like, this is the best pillow of all time. And Jesus could have created that. But no, what is Jesus? He just leans over and he's like, hey, you know what? I think I know there's a storm coming. I'm not going to tell you that yet. <laughs> Surprise. I, 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 I know what's about to happen, but I'm, I'm going to go take a nap. Taking naps is biblical. It's your first application that you need to know about Jesus. Jesus is like, boys, I need a pillow and a cushion, whatever. And it's funny because I'm like, you got to be thinking like, which one had the pillow? You know, or maybe they just had one in the boat. I'm just, I, I don't know. And so, so the king of glory, he's, he asked for a cushion, he asked for the pillow. And he's like, like the God of the cosmos, he's, he's going to go take a nap. And he's going to go put his head down the back of the boat. And the, the Bible says the stern, which I think is the back of the boat. And he's, and he's like, this is the fullness of Jesus that we see that we ought to take note of. Like, do we understand Jesus not just as fully God, but Jesus had a body. Jesus got tired. Jesus was thirsty. Jesus got hungry. And he wanted to experience the very depths of humanity so that he could understand the fullness of everything that you and I would ever go through. Here's the fullness of the God-man. We see a glimpse of him understanding the full weight of the depravity of this life, that life at times gets so tiresome that even the king of glory took a nap on the back of a boat that's about to be capsized. We understand this this Jesus, that he was sound asleep as a reminder of the humanity of who Christ is, that he understands how tired and how weary we get, that he understands how thirsty we get. He understands the pains that we get in this life. And Jesus knows how we feel. You ever feel alone and neglected? Jesus understands how that feels. He came to his own and, and his own did not receive him. At the end of the day of his day, his own disciples deserted him and they, they fled from him. So there's no experience of neglect or desertion that Jesus, that we might ever know, that hasn't wrung the true heart of Christ. You ever felt yourself to be misunderstood and to be slandered or to be misrepresented? Jesus knows how you feel. He was despised, he was rejected, he was accused. He was called a glutton. You're here and you, you're aware of the trials that are about to come into your life as a result of the attacks of the evil one. But Jesus also understands the attack of the evil one because he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights facing head on Satan himself with every temptation that you could imagine. Jesus wrestled there. Jesus understands the agony and turmoil because there he, he understood the fullness of agony and the fullness of turmoil on the cross as he uh, was, was, was imparted by the wrath of God and experienced every feeling that we could ever go through in a physical sense. That's why the writer of Hebrews calls him our sympathetic high priest, because he can sympathize with every detail of your life. Our master has been there. Jesus knows and he understands. 
the other thing, the disciples were really afraid. Now, that's an understatement. It, 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 would better be, it would better be said that the disciples were absolutely freaking out. They were terrified. And this is kind of funny because you, you, you think about these disciples and you think about how burly of a man they are and how some of them were, you know, the fishermen. I mean, these were like little puny duds, right? I mean, these... These guys, they, they had to have a little bit of strength in them if they're going to be fishermen, if they're doing all these hard labor trade tasks. And so, so we don't look at these disciples as some kind of prissy little dudes who are just kind of like, who barely want to touch the fish. I don't want to touch the fish. You know, they're not, they're not like Stuart from Mad TV. Some of you could remember that. Some of you don't. That's fine. Don't look it up. It's an old man in underwear and he's acting like a little child. I don't know where I went with that. But just imagine like one of the disciples when they're thinking, like, like they're afraid, they're terrified. And, 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 you know, in my mind, they're probably going, um, any, many, money. Mo, you wake him up. No, you wake him up. No, you wake him. Finally, just one of them was like, I, I'll, I'll find, I'll go wake him up. We're all terrified. We're freaking out. And so they wake him up in verse 38 and they say, teacher, <laughs> and I love this because this is my response to God every single time that I'm going through some kind of difficulty. Don't you care that I'm drowning here? Listen, if you are a tired Christian who is freaking out about something right now, praise God, you are in great company. Because throughout the Christian life, you will find yourselves in moments where you are terrified. Where you are absolutely afraid of what is happening. Like you've just ever been just so terrified where you just can't even, you hear me? You just can't even say something. Like your blood pressure's gotten, like your heart is beating fast. And you're just, what do I do? Like I, I you know, like, in a funny sense, I, I, I know what, ter- what being terrified is, like when a giant mule deer like, decides to, that it's just done with life, right? I'm, I'm done. I've had it with the wilderness. And it just starts to dart in front of your vehicle, landing itself inside of your SUV. Like that's a terrifying moment. You say some words, all right? Hello, my name is Matthew. I'm not perfect. And you're like, I, that dumb deer could have taken my, I don't care if that deer was suicidal. I didn't, I'm not, I don't want to die deer. That's a terrible, and just, and even like in the moments of darkness and the depravity of life, where, where, you've, where you've been through those moments, where it just takes you and it grips you and you freak out and you say the words of the disciples, do you not care that I'm drowning here, God? It's, meanwhile, me and my, me, me, we're in the trauma here. Meanwhile, my boat is sinking. There, there's waves about to capsize. It's like the reality, like, hello, like, Jesus, do you, and, 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 and sometimes when we, when we read this, dumb disciples, we have questioning Jesus. Who did, like, come on. It's, e- it's easy for us to be like that. And to always kind of just wring them out to dry. Like, man, they're just a bunch of morons. They don't go. Like, they're just, they, they don't have enough faith. Like, they're just doubting all the time. And it's easy to point our fingers in their face and say how dumb they are to question Jesus until you actually get into a situation. 
where you have your fists raised to the heavens and you say to the God, do you not care? Following Jesus, followers of Jesus, we, we freak out and that's, and that's okay. If, if we can recognize this weakness that we have inside of us, this fear, this faltering away, these doubts, and if we want God to tolerate it in us, admit this is, this is free 99. This is just a sub-point of my other point. Maybe we ought to tolerate it in others. All right, we're not talking about tolerating sin in other people. We're just tolerating people in those moments of darkness where they're freaking out. Well, don't doubt God, right? Did, did Jesus rebuke the disciples? He rebuked the wind and the waves. Oh, don't, don't start saying that kind of stuff like, where, where, where are you, God? Don't, don't say that. That's bad. No, it's perfectly normal for you in your moment of despair to say, God, where are you? Because watch what happens. Um, so the boat's nearly swamped. The master was sound asleep in the back of the boat with his my pillow, and, and the disciples were just terrified. They're, they're afraid. And Jesus comes out. He gets up and he rebukes the winds and the waves, and he's just like, peace, be still. And that's it. I mean, here is the God of the universe, and immediately the winds and the waves, they calm down, and everything's back to normal. We shouldn't be surprised by the type of power that Jesus is flowing through. I mean, like we, we've read through uh, Mark's gospel so far, and we have seen how powerful Jesus is. It's a display of his sovereignty that even he, what, what John 1, 1 would say, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Like he is this Word that is right there at creation, and Colossians would say that in Him and by Him, He created all things. And we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus would have this type of power, this type of flexibility, right? right this is just Jesus, all right? This is just Jesus flexing. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? Like you see those little people, like, you know, they're, let me take a selfie in the mirror. Yeah, because it's like a brilliant idea. And let me flex and let me show it to all my audience. Like, so this is what Jesus is doing. Like he, he's taking the selfie in the mirror and he's flexing and he's showing us all how powerful and great he is. That even the winds and the waves would obey his very word. We believe this type of Jesus now, this isn't saying that, that Jesus is going to um, remove all difficulties. This is not to say that the pain is gone or that fear and all these things will be obliterated by his power. It just means that, that we, we can trust Jesus, that he can deal with a storm in our life. It's, it's, it's just that simple. doesn't mean he's going to keep you from them. It, 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 Jesus can remove them. So, so what I ought to do then is, is kind of adjust my view of who Jesus is. Do I believe that he is all-powerful? Do I believe that Jesus can deal with a broken heart? Do I believe that Jesus can deal with a wayward child? Do I believe that Jesus can heal? Do I believe that Jesus can set someone free from an addiction? And the answer should be an absolute Yes, 
doesn't mean we won't go through issues. It just means I believe that, God, you are all-powerful and that you can and you will because you're God. Notice then the question that Jesus asked. All right, this is the fifth thing here. Jesus asked them the question. What's the question? Well, what? Mm, excuse me, why are you still afraid? Why are you so afraid? Why? Do you not still, like, do you not have faith? I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a rebuke. I just think it's Jesus. You're like, y'all just saw me. Like, y'all remember the dude that was possessed and I told the demon to leave and the demon left and, like, he went to the pig and, like, y'all, didn't y'all just see that? Like, didn't you just, like, I just healed a bunch of folks. Like, one dude just got, like, lifted down from the ceiling. You don't remember? And then, like, he was paralyzed. He couldn't move. And I just said, get up. And he saved. And, like, the dude just walked away, and he ran away. And Jesus, I mean, he's like, do you, why are you so terrified? The reality of it is that Jesus did not leave them at all. He just may have appeared that he was absent just because he was asleep. The storm is stilled and the question is tenderly asked to them, why are you still afraid? Do you not have faith? What a wonder that Jesus did not rebuke these jokers, but he rebuked the winds and the waves, but he did not rebuke these disciples these disciples were, were interesting, and I told us not to rag on them so many times, but sometimes they ask for it. No scholar, no rabbi, no teacher had such a patient and forgiven heart as Jesus did. Because no teacher, no rabbi had such a band of fools like Jesus did. These guys were pulled out of the woodworks. Yet Jesus, in their buffoonery, right? I don't know if that's a word. We'll go with it. In their just dumbness, Jesus still is not rebuking them. I mean, I don't know if that wants to... I, okay, I, I grew up in a charismatic church and, and like it got really weird. Sometimes people run around crazy. But this once, it's something inside me wants to run around about this. He makes me want to shout like for joy. Because I don't know a greater fool in the world than me. Yet in my foolishness, Jesus is still with me. Not badgering me. Not with, like, the whip, right? We think God is like this angry, mean old man with, like, a rod. And, like, every time you screw up, he's just ready to, bam! Like, bam, you messed up again. Just keep on banging him. Yeah, it's weird time to walk in when I'm doing that. Um, and it's just, like, this weirdness that we have this image of God that he's this angry dude. But despite my foolishness, despite me saying in trauma, God, where are you at? God, why aren't you moving? God, like, do you care about me? God's, God's not up in the heavens, like, blaming Holy Spirit or Jesus or whatever. He's there still with me. 
He's just gently leading me along. Like, man, just stop being afraid. Man, why, why are you being afraid? Why, what's up with that? Like, what's up with your faith? Come on, let's build it. This is what the master does for us. Finally, you'll notice their reaction, which is indicative of the heart of all of us and how we respond to things and how we respond to Jesus Christ. Uh, watch how the reaction was hardly surprising. Jesus says, why are you so afraid? He said, do you, do you still have no faith? And like how that question must have just kind of reverberated their insides, right? And, and, and here's the response. Who is this? I mean, they were terrified. That's what the text says. They're terrified and they ask each other, who's really on this boat? Who is this that even the waves and the seas obey him? Because our response to Christ, it's, it's often not like we've lost this kind of horizontal view of Christ, right? This, this view that we should have both almost fear and awe. It, it, it's never kind of a good blend of the two. The, the fear, all right, so, and I think I've used these illustrations before, um, but this is the only thing I think I know how to do. We have a backyard, all right, it's known as National Monument USA. Like, we can go out there, and we can climb up one of these canyons, and we can be at a cliff, and there's not, like, 10 feet, or there's not 100 feet. There's, like, a gazillion feet between you and the ground, but yet you see this beauty of the landscape of the earth. And you're like, how magnificent, how majestic is this? How beautiful this is. But, 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 but you, you make one step and you're just, right? I mean, that's it. I mean, that, that is, you are dead. Like that is, like, I'll do your funeral if you do that dumb mistake. We'll all rejoice and celebrate how dumb you were. That's majesty, not the dumb part. That's majesty. We see, like, it's, it's just, if I make one move, this can go wrong. But how magnificent, like, this is beautiful. That's majesty. For, I don't know if this was the first time or, like, if this is like this, it, it seems like from reading through the God, fear in awe struck them. And it's like they finally recognize this isn't just a man. Now, this is the God who created the very sea that we are riding on. Could you imagine being there with them in that moment? Like you just kind of had this aha moment, like, oh, wait, you, you, you know, it's like all these guys, like, wait, 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 you're the one that did this. And suddenly this fear and majesty, that, that's our response to Christ. That he is the one who holds the world in his hands. He is the one that created all things by him and for himself. And our response should be on our knees in awe of him. When's the, when's the last time like you, you fell on your 
knees and worshiped him. When was that last time you felt this awe of, of who Jesus really is? When was the last time you, you in your storm, you in your screw-ups, you in your trauma, you fell to your knees and you realized who Jesus Christ is and you worshiped him for it? That's the response that we see from this text. Are you in a storm this morning? Fall on your knees and worship him. Because the creator of the cosmos, the one who spoke things into existence, the one who, is, who, is, who tells seas that you're not allowed to be doing that anymore, that, that G- Jesus Christ, that same God is here with us. He is dwelling with his people. And our response should be to worship him. Maybe you feel like you're, maybe you're just getting frustrated with Jesus that he's not moving like you want him to move. Can I, can I just help us? That's not an indication that you're doing something wrong. It, it could just be an evil force behind it. In fact, the same verbiage that Jesus uses in the Greek is to be still, like stop. It's the same language in the Greek that he uses when he cast out the demons just a few verses and chapters ago. So this very well could have been a demonic force trying to capsize Jesus and drown him. But Jesus had to remind this dark domain who is the one who has complete Control. So maybe it is a, a force that we don't understand. But you're not alone. Maybe, maybe you're doing everything that you can be doing right. Again, that's not an indicator that God is away from you. At some point, we just have to trust that we'll make it through um, to this other side and I don't know what that looks like I know my other side's gonna be heaven all right because I know that in this life we will experience issues right and that what Jesus promised in this life you will experience hardships trauma but take heart I have overcome the world I don't know if you're going through something tomorrow you'll be going through something in a year you have to trust Jesus that in the end you will make it with him. I don't know when. I don't know how long it'll take you. I just know in the end, I'll be with Jesus, and that's enough. I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know how hard things are going to get for you. I don't know how hard things will get for me. I just, I, I know that it will be because of the grace and the mercy and the steadfast love of our Lord will be the one who carries me. And that one day I will behold him face to face. And as the writer of John says, that the seas will be no more. So there's this, there's this play on words here that, that, that we use, that, that John uses when he talks about a sea. He's always talking about moments like this. So when John the Revelator is writing that the seas will be no more, I'm quite sure he remembers being in this boat with Jesus and almost drowning and dying. 
So this C is, is trauma. This C represents difficulties. In one day, there will be no more C's. There will be no more hardships. There will be no more difficulties. When we look at Jesus face to face, all of that will be behind us. And so I don't know what it's going to look like for you for the next 10, the next 15, the next 20 years, next 40, whatever may come. I trust Jesus that one day I'll be with him forever. And that's enough. 